we believe in the power of using the internet, software, and technology to achieve online business success. Go to zellhand.com and set up a consultation with our team. Tell us the problems holding your business back from increasing revenues, getting more clients, and being successful. Tell us your problems and we will take care of everything else for you. Go to zellhand.com to get your consultation with our team. Today, you're listening to episode 14 of Online Business Systems, where we will be looking at the topic, Why Businesses Fail, the guide to business success. This episode has been one of the most fun episodes I've put together. I learned a lot while I researched and even began to see just how deep this one topic is going to be if we are to truly learn and master all the reasons we are about to discuss that leads to business failure. Because of this, while I researched, I was faced with two decisions. Or well, it it really was one tough decision. Here's what the decision was. I could make the episode short by tuna packing all the information into bite-sized pieces with only brief introductions to each part or problem that led to business failure. Or I could provide a great deal of valuable information based on research, but split the episode into two. We recently crossed 100 downloads on our podcast, and I want to thank you for that. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to listen to Zelhan's podcast, and I must reward you. Keeping that in mind, I split the episode into two to ensure that you get the most value and reward for your time invested on Zelhan's podcast. Today, we will look at part one of Why Businesses Fail, the guide to business success, and in the next episode, we will finish up in part two. Staying true to our commitment to the method of research-driven episodes, we're going to start by reading an article from Tony Robbins' website that speaks about 14 reasons why businesses fail. This is going to be a very long episode, so I won't ramble on. Let us get started. The link to all the research and websites and articles that are used in this episode will be in the show notes or episode description. And if you can't find them, then please go to podcast.zellhand.com to get all the information that you require in every episode. 14 Reasons Why Businesses Fail Learn more about business failure and how to avoid it. Posted by Team Tony. And this is on Tony Robbins' website. Like I said, it starts. If you're starting a business, you may be wondering how many businesses fail, either in the short term or the long run. Unfortunately, business failure is common. About 20% of small businesses fail in their first year. That's that's true. And a staggering 96% of businesses will fail over a 10-year period of time. As for the remaining 4%, it doesn't necessarily mean they succeed. It means they've survived. And (laughs) I'm laughing because this hurts. I've had a business, well, I've had more than one business fail in the past. And going through this episode, while I come upon the point or the reason that explains why a business fail, I'll be sure to mention that. Learn from our mistakes, right? Why businesses fail? So why do businesses fail? What makes one entrepreneur succeed while another experiences business failure? It comes down to a combination of preparation, strategies, and knowledge. And it's not about, oh, the market was wrong or the timing was wrong. No. 
the first point here, and we're going to dive right into the episode, not having an effective business plan. So that's the first reason why. So how we're going to do this episode, let me just briefly explain the format. We're going to be looking at 14 reasons why businesses fail. This article on Tony Robbins' website is going to form the basis of our bo- of both episodes, episode, um, part one and part two. As we look at each reason why a business fails, like we always say, it doesn't make sense or isn't very helpful if we identify the problem and we do nothing about it. Then that makes us a whiner and a, com- and a complainer, and that is not who we are. We are responsible people who take things into our own hands and we resolve our issues. We will move forward. So having found out one reason, having learned a reason or studied a reason why a business fails, we're going to look at the solution to that reason or to that problem that causes business failure. So we have the problem, we've learned learned about the problem, and we look at the solution in a little bit more detail. And that's how we're going to go about this episode. So number one says not having an effective business plan. And boy, do I have a story for you guys. <laughs> let's, do, let's jump right into this. If you don't have an effective business plan, you can't properly communicate your vision to your team. Tony Robbins advocates not just having a business plan, but having a business map for entrepreneurs to take their small businesses to the next level. Your business map will help you master vital stages of the business cycle, like scaling, Explosive growth can be tempting, but not scaling in a mindful manner is one of the biggest reasons why businesses fail. You have to strike the right balance between growth and infrastructure. So not having a business plan. Now I'm going to tell you something very scary. When I first started doing business in 2015, I knew nothing of business plans. My brother did, so he covered from a blind spot in that instance. But I didn't know about business plans. For example, who are you going to serve? What are you going to serve them? At what price? What's their delivery structure? Or how are you going to serve them that product or service that is going to help them? I knew nothing of that. I was 2015. Interestingly, that's over eight years, well, almost eight years ago at the time of recording this episode. And I can't tell you why this would happen to be an effective reason. So we're going to look at research-driven um, articles on why businesses fail because of uh, of how to put together a business plan. And something I've learned while looking at the research on business planning, I think it would be effective and it would be to your benefit if we just had an episode or two where we looked at business plans. So let us look at a solution to having an effective business plan. The solution we're looking at is from the U.S. Small Business Administration. And like I said, the link to all these articles will be placed in the episode description or the show notes. So you can take a look at the article yourself. It's titled, Write Your Business Plan. Your business plan is the foundation of your business. Learn how to write a business plan quickly and efficiently with a business plan template. And so we're not going to be looking at templates right now, but we're going to learn what business plans are and how you can get started with one. Business plans help you run your business. That's just the next um, section of this article. A good business plan guides you through each stage of starting and managing your business. You'll use your business plan as a roadmap for how to structure, run, and grow your new business. It's a way to think through the key elements of your business. And this is true. Business plans can help you get funding or bring in new business partners. Investors want to feel confident They'll see a return on their investment. Your business plan is a tool you'll use to convince people that are working with you 
or investing in your company is a smart choice. The thing about this though, and we're going to touch on it a little bit later because I've gone through the article a fair bit. A lot of times the business plan is also the reason why the business fails. Because if you look at it, and this is a problem I've had with business plans, where I've shied away from them for the most part. In most business plans, they're saying that we're going to sell this product. We're going to sell it at X price. We're going to sell this amount in year one, year two, and year three. And after year three, we're going to walk away with this amount of profit. Therefore, give us X amount of money. And it never works like that in business. How do you know that the product or service that you have to offer is one that the market wants? That's the first question. And number two, even if they want it, how do you know they want it at that price? And number three, how do you know you're even going to be able to truly deliver because business is like a monkey wrench plan. Every now and then something happens. Like I even have, um, I have, it's not like a mantra or anything, but it's like something I keep reminding myself of in business is that there's always something wrong. You're always putting out a fire. That's all business is. Like you have something, there's a deadline, something went wrong, I need to solve it. So we're going to learn a bit about that problem also of basing your business plan on assumptions that is just an assumption which means your whole business plan is most likely an assumption and a dream of what you would like to see happen, which is very clear why businesses would fail even with a business plan. Well, let's get into it. Pick a business plan format that works for you. And this is what I alluded to. There is no right or wrong way to write a business plan. What's important is that your plan meets your needs. Most business plans fall into one of two common categories, traditional or lean startup. And lean startup is what I was alluding to when I mentioned I didn't do business plans as the solution to the traditional. Here it goes. Traditional business plans are more common, use a standard structure, and encourage you to go into detail in each section. They tend to require more work up front and can be dozens of pages long. And I've done those as well. I don't like them very much. But the lean startup business plans are less common but still use a standard structure. They focus on summarizing only the most important points of the key elements of your plan. They can take as little as one hour to make and are typically only one page. I've used variations of both. So what I tend to do is an amalgamation between the lean startup and the traditional. But here's the thing though. For every traditional, there's a lean startup section. I don't like to base my business plan on too many assumptions. Meanwhile, Lean Startup goes in the opposite direction and says, hey, we don't know. We're just trying to find product market fit, something we spoke about in our previous episodes. And then after we find product market fit, we'll actually know what we're selling, at what price and to who, which is a more, it's a more logical approach to business. And I learned about the Lean Startup. I believe the author, I haven't looked up the book recently, but I believe the author is Eric Reyes. And in his book, Eric Reyes, Mr. Reyes, purported that it's possible to start a business and never fail. It's just that the, the lean startup is not at all sexy. We're going to get into it a bit. I don't want to spend too much time adding my personal input when the research is here. Let me just comment on it so that we can get as much research-driven um, information in this episode. So it gives us a, a comparison uh, the traditional business plan, as it says here, this type of plan is very detailed, takes more time to write, and is comprehensive. Lenders and investors commonly request this plan. 
I don't even like business plans to go to the bank because in my country, it's so fraudulent. And I've heard people say this, that you can take your business plan to the bank for a loan and they take your plan. They don't give you the loan, first off. You're not getting that, no. They didn't want it. You were, you were never going to get the loan, but let's see if you have something. I know that we know that you have something. We pass on the business plan to our friend or the bank does it themselves. So there's that. And the lean startup plan. This type of plan is high level focus, fast to write, and contains key elements only. Some lenders and investors may ask for more information. <laughs> I bet they would, because after <laughs> we're going to get into it. So the book you can read, The Lean Startup by Eric Rice. And Rice is R-I-E-S. Rice, Reis, yes. Traditional business plan format. You might prefer a traditional business plan format if you're very well um, if you're very detail oriented, want a comprehensive plan, or plan to request financing from traditional sources. And here's the other problem: it's so stringent and so detailed, so specific. It's like saying, "This is exactly what is going to happen." And when does that ever happen? It never happens how you want it to happen. You just have to know where you want to get to, and navigate all the storms to get there. I continue. When you write your business plan. You don't have to stick to the exact business plan outline. Instead, use the sections that make the most sense for your business and your needs. Traditional business plans use some combination of these nine sections. And here are the nine sections. The executive summary, the company description, market analysis, organization and management, service or product line, marketing and sales, funding request, financial projections, and then the appendix. Let's look at what those sections are. The executive summary. The executive summary briefly tells your reader what your company is and why it will be successful. Include your mission statement, your product or service, and basic information about your company's leadership team, employees, and location. You should also include financial information and high-level growth plans if you plan to ask for financing. We look at the company description. Executive summary is very straightforward, right? Company description. Use your company description to provide detailed information about your company. Go into detail about the problems your business solves. Be specific and list out the consumers, organization, or businesses your company plans to serve. Explain the competitive advantages that will make your business a success. Are there experts on your team? Have you found a perfect location for your store? Your company description is a place to boast about your strength. This is funny because the thing that I learned recently, there's a book called The Unfair Advantage. Absolutely wonderful. Everyone has an advantage, even if that advantage at first might seem like a disadvantage. So this is very interesting to me because I'd like to uh, learn a little bit more about how exactly do they structure a business plan's company description in terms of your competitive advantage. Is it is it just um, human resource? We have a star-studded team or we have new technology. Another book you should read. This is going to be such a, a information-filled episode. So the first book I recommended was The Lean Startup by Eric Reyes. The second book is Peter Thiel's uh, Zero to One. That's another really excellent book on startups. If you guys don't know, Peter Thiel was a part of the original team that developed PayPal, friends with Elon Musk, and that group of individuals have all gone on to be um, billionaires. All of the founders of PayPal have gone on to be billionaires. Founders of Pinterest, I think the founder of, not Zuckerberg, but a co-founder of Facebook. We all know Elon Musk. And 
I don't think the founder of Snapchat was a part of it, but I know the founder of LinkedIn and Pinterest are parts of it. The founder of YouTube, believe it or not, was also a part of that team. So they and Peter Thiel himself doing really well. So that's a really good book to read. Zero to One by Peter Thiel and Lean Startup by Eric Ries. So let's move on to market analysis. This is the part I tend to shine in. You'll need a good understanding of your industry outlook and target market. Competitive research will show you what other businesses are doing and what their strengths are. In your market research, look for trends and themes. What do, su what do successful competitors do? Why does it work? Can you do it better? Now's the time to answer these questions. And like I said, this is a place where I shine. I'm so mar market oriented. The company description and executive summary, I almost never do that. Whenever I have a business plan or an idea, most times, I go straight to market analysis. If I can make it through market analysis, then I know I have something. And this comes, <laughs> there's another book. Well, are we even 20 minutes in? The third book, the third book that you guys really should read. By the way, there's a cicada in the background, that buzzing sound. I hope you guys aren't distracted. So the third book I like you guys to read is Seth Godin's Purple Cow. Perfect. So we have Purple Cow, Zero to One, and Eric Ray's Lean Startup. And what you're going to do in, when you read uh, Purple Cow is going to tell you exactly what you need to do to have a business that stands out. And Zero to One is going to tell you exactly what you need to have before you start a business, competitive advantage and all, and proprietary technology and timing and all of the good stuff. Eight, eight points pointed out in the book by Peter Thiel, Zero to One, and Seth Godin's Marketing Zero, no, Purple Cow is going to help you understand. Do you have a Purple Cow? That is a, so really uh, a quick summary. The Purple Cow is the cow that you don't see very often. And once you see you, you remember it. It's a Purple Cow. And if you don't have a Purple Cow for your business, you have a Brown Cow and Brown Cows, Black Cows, whatever. Very standard. You're, you're not going to turn heads or have anyone right home because you have a Brown Cow. Well, you have a Purple Cow. All right, no, now we have something. Organization and management. Tell your reader how your company will be structured and who will run it. Describe the legal structure of your business. You know, like LLC and so on. State whether you have or intend to incorporate your business as a C or an S corporation. Form a general or limited partnership, or if you're a sole proprietor or a limited liability company. Use an organizational chart to lay out who's in charge of what in your company. Show how each person's unique experience will contribute to the success of your venture. Consider including resumes and CVs of key members of your team. So that's pretty straightforward. Something interesting I'd love to have on the podcast is to have a legal expert for businesses. Just come on and share some do's and some don'ts. Share a bit of advice on structuring your business and accountant would be good as well. I'm going to get those people on. I'm pretty sure I can do that much. And what will what I will do for you is I, because I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not gonna give you accounting or legal advice. I can only say what's worked for me or worked for others. But I can't generally tell you that this is the best move to do and whatever. But what I can do is I can have experts come on and talk to you. So you can look forward to that happening in the future. Or if you're a listener and you have expertise, feel free to reach out. Reach out to us at podcast.zelhan.com or just zellhand.com. There's always a way to contact us on the website with live chat or so on. Service or product line. Describe what you sell or what service you offer. 
explain how it benefits your customers and what a product life cycle looks like. Share plans for intellectual property, like copyright or patent filings. If you're doing research and development for your service or product, explain it in detail. We're going to get to the sale, to the um, phone request section. But this is why I don't like doing a business plan when I'm requesting a loan to start a business. I did that once. It never worked out. It was actually for Zelhan. And what happened was that, I'll tell you the story of Zelhan. I wanted to get the loan. I did everything. I did their financials and a business plan and everything was done. Spent a lot of money to get it done as well. Like over $100,000. Jamaica, not, not US dollars. <laughs> Come but then I sat in a meeting for over two, two hours, almost three hours with a key officer. And he wanted me to explain my business plan to him so well that he could sell my business to the higher-ups in the bank. Well, it's not even a bank, it's a credit union. So he wanted to know every single detail about my business. And he was also blatantly telling me that, hey, we, we, we know other businesses, we know other people. I did not, I did not go forward with that. Good decision, I don't know, but here we are with the podcast. Maybe if I got that money, I wouldn't be doing the podcast. Or maybe I would have blown through it and made it, make, it, make an even bigger loss. We don't know. But like I said, in my country, things can be shady. Marketing and sales. There is no single way to approach a marketing strategy. <laughs> oh, trust me. This, no, this, this is where I can give you good advice. Your strategy should evolve and change to fit your unique needs. That is true. Your goal in this section is to describe how you'll attract and retain customers. And that is, that is the most important part. You'll also describe how a sale will actually happen. Like I said earlier, you'll refer to this section later when you make financial projections. So make sure to thoroughly describe your complete marketing and sales strategies. And this is also the most critical part because remember, the business relies on marketing and sales to start, to thrive, to grow, to succeed. So spend time on your marketing and sales strategy. And yes, of course, Zelan can help you with your marketing and Funding requests. Now, this is the part I alluded to earlier. If you're asking for funding, this is where you outline your funding requirements. Your goal is to clearly explain how much funding you'll need over the next five years and what you'll use it for. I don't even want funding for five years. I just wanted a year for like three months of marketing budget is what I wanted. Because the problem, you know, guys, I was, Zelan was in, well, still is in Jamaica, but we were serving local clients. But the exchange rate between Jamaica to America is really low. Like, one US dollar is like 150 Jamaican dollars. So it was very difficult to get enough clients as a startup sell hand because I rebranded. It was very hard to get enough clients at the time to meet the demands for a marketing budget for ads. I wanted to use Google ads and email marketing in America by just using, by just having a local client. So that's what I needed a loan for. I just needed like three months of marketing budget I was making enough money to repay the loan at the time from the business. And I still didn't get the loan. I lost all the money on that loan. I haven't tried, for, I haven't asked for a loan ever since. I've just, um, what's called bootstrapping, where I use my personal money or I do uh, growth hacking, where I use very, very, very interesting topic, growth hacking. But it basically says that you use hacking or very unique strategies to get sales and grow your business with little to no marketing budget. And that's been better for me because it's helped me to develop my marketing ability and everything. So funding requests, let's continue. If you're asking for funding, this is where you outline your funding requirements. Your goal is to clearly explain how much funding you'll need over the next five years and what you'll use it for. 
specify whether you want debt or equity, the terms you like applied and length of time your request will cover. Give a detailed description of how you'll use your funds. Specify if you need funds to buy equipment or materials. Pay salaries or cover specific bills until revenue increases. Always include a description of your future strategic financial plans, like paying off debt or selling your business. And this is something that I should have always um, kept in mind. I never did the how I plan to pay off debt in the future or if I plan to sell the business. That's something I should have always kept in mind. I never did until now. Financial projections. Supplement your funding request with financial projections. Your goal is to convince the reader that your business is stable and will be a financial success. And it's very hard for you to do that with just hypothetical numbers and everything, but we go on. If your business is already established, include income statements, balance sheets, and cash flow statements for the last three to five years. If you have other collateral, you could put against a loan. Make sure to list it now. Provide a prospective financial outlook for the next five years. Include forecasted income statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements, and capital expenditure budgets. For the first year, be even more specific and use quarterly or even monthly projections. Make sure to clearly explain your projections and match them to your funding requests. This is a great place to use graphs and charts to tell the financial story of your business. So that's it for uh, a traditional business plan. And it has an appendix section. It says to use your appendix to provide supporting documents or materials or other materials, sorry, that were especially requested. Common items to include are credit histories, resumes, product pictures, letters of reference, licenses, permits, patents, and legal documents. Very, very important. We'll touch on those and other contracts. All right. And it gives a download link for different business plans. Not going to worry about that too much because I want to get to the lean startup. And this is the one I prefer. This is the one I tend to lean to, pun intended, in my businesses. Because, like I said, you never really know what's truly going to happen when you're just starting out. Lean startup format. You might prefer a lean startup format if you want to explain or start your business quickly. Your business is relatively simple or you plan to regularly change and refine your business plan. Lean startup formats are charts that use only a handful of elements to describe your company's value proposition, infrastructure, customers, and finances. They're useful for visualizing trade-offs and fundamental facts about your company. There are different ways to develop a lean startup template. You can search the web to find free templates, but we'll discuss nine components of the model here. So the nine components of a lean startup format are key partnerships, key activities, key resources, value proposition, customer relationships, customer segments, channels, cost structure, and revenue streams. Those are the nine components of a lean startup format. So the key partnerships. This is where you note the other businesses or services you'll work with to run your business. Think about suppliers, manufacturers, subcontractors, and similar strategic partners. Your key activities. List the ways your business will gain a competitive advantage. Highlight things like selling direct to consumers, D2C, or using technology to tap into the sharing economy. And it's also very important, the technological advantage you might have. Key resources. List any resources you leverage to create value for your customers. Your most important assets could include staff, capital, or intellectual property. Don't forget to leverage business resources that might be available to women, veterans, Native Americans, and hub zone businesses. And as if you're in America. Value proposition. Make a clear and compelling statement about the unique value your company brings to the market. 
customer relationships. Describe how customers will interact with your business. Is it automated or personal, in person or online? Think through the customer experience from start to finish. Customer segments. Be specific when you name your target market. Your business won't be for everybody. So it's important to have a clear sense of whom your business will serve. This is true. You can't try to serve everyone. And here's another book for reference. This book is by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point. It talks about how small ideas go viral. And what happens here? The reason why I bring it up is because in the book, he says that you should focus on a small market, very, very small market, that, you, that your product or service can serve directly. And then when you serve that market, if your product is good enough, at a certain level of penetration, about 20%, you're going to find that your users will start to sneeze or talk about your business, and the sneeze or talking about your business will stick, and eventually that will lead to them bringing in more customers until your business goes viral. It becomes a huge success. Very good book. Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point. Channels. List the most important ways you'll talk to your customers. Most businesses use a mix of channels and optimize them over time. Cost structure. Will your company focus on reducing costs or maximizing value? Are you cheap or are your premium service with higher quality material? Define your strategy. Then list the most significant costs you'll face pursuing it. Revenue streams. Explain how your company will actually make money. Some, com some examples are direct sales, membership fees, and selling advertising space. If your company has multiple revenue streams, list them all. And the thing is, like I said, the book by Eric Reyes, The Lean Startup, is actually wonderful. It's a wonderful book. You use that book and you start a business and you'll feel good about it. Because it tells you that, all right, start with one customer. Figure out what that one customer likes, loves, hates. Do what he likes and loves, produce what he hates. Once you're good with that customer, go get the second customer and then have those customers tell you what's good. Not by asking them directly because they'll never be able to tell you, but using uh, research and everything like that. And you keep iterating. And these iterations can happen several times per day. Instead of saying, we're definitely doing this, we're definitely selling at this price to this person when that is not what is needed in the market. One of the things I think, uh, and it's not, it is not mentioned here, I think. One of the things I think kill most businesses is they're trying to sell a product or a service to a market that doesn't exist or that doesn't want it. That's a very fatal mistake for most businesses. Not putting the customer first. So the first one, the first uh, reason of 14, of why businesses fail, we're not going to do all 14 today. There's going to be two parts to this episode. Is not having an effective business plan. And we'll discuss, and we have discussed that in some detail, but in future episodes, we're going to learn more about business plans because it's such a critical part of business success. The second point here is not putting the customer first. One of the top reasons why businesses fail, it continues, is that they fall in love with their product instead of their customer. To circumvent business failure, fall in love with your client and figure out every single way you can meet their needs. Anticipate what they want, what they need, when possible, determine what they might not even know they need yet. Let me go again. Anticipate. So it says, to circumvent business failure, fall in love with your client or customer or user and figure out every single way you can meet their needs. Anticipate what they want, what they need, and when possible, 
determine what they might not even know they need yet. Have you ever been using a software and they say update and you're excited because every time there's an update like that, there's always something good that you never know you needed it, but hey, it's here and it makes things better. It makes things easier. That is what you're talking about here. Let's continue. Turn your customers into a raving fan. And like we said up in the previous section, the tipping point, as your customers love your product, they will talk to it about your friends. If your product is worth anything or your service or your business, they will tell their friends as well. And before you know it, your friends are telling their friends that are telling their friends and your business has gone viral. It says somebody who will tell everybody about your product or service or company is their customer that you want to turn into your raving fan. Once you grasp that your customer's life is your business's life, you can truly envision how to succeed. And I love this point. I'll say it again and I'll say it again. Put the customer first. We spoke about this ironically in our episode on guarantees. Go to podcast.zelhan.com. That's where I'm sure you'll find it. And listen to episode seven. Episode seven is how to craft a powerful guarantee to convert more leads and prospects to clients and customers. And what this is going to do for you is you're going to learn how to put your customer front and center. Remember, in every buying decision that is made, whether you're the one that's buying or you're selling, and you're always going to be doing one of both, whether you're asking for a date, you're purchasing suites, or you're trying to negotiate on a new house, you're always either buying or selling, some, somewhere in between. Whenever you consider the buying decision, there is always some friction to purchase because the customer is weary of making a bad purchase. And what the guarantee does for you, it removes the fear that a customer would normally have and it places places it on yourself, on the business. And the customer now feels less resistance, less friction about doing business with you. Matter of fact, when you have the guarantee, you're saying to the customer that we are not a so-and-so out of the um, cut of the run of the mill kind of company or business. We're serious about what we do. And this is exactly what, what we'll do for you. And if we don't do this, if this doesn't work, we will reimburse you. We will take on the negativity, the negative uh, effect, the negative effects as best as possible that you would experience from this. And this is our guarantee to you. And that's going to help you to get in sales. It's especially crucial if you're a business star now trying to get your first customers to have a guarantee. How would you like to increase your revenues by 10% to 30% over the next 12 months? While we increase your revenues, wouldn't it be awesome if we could increase your profits by 10% to 30% as well? Then, while we increase your revenues and profits, how about we take away all the stress, anxiety, and frustration of setting up and running a successful online version of your business? We'll keep it open 24-7, manage and market your amazing new online business so that you never have to worry about getting your next lead, sale, or client again. Introducing the Zelhan Online Business Suite, where we take your business online with a website that churns out more leads, more clients, and more sales for your business 24-7. Added to your conversion-optimized online business is a 12-month online marketing strategy to help your business reach its goals, whether it is more leads, more profits, or even to expand in the next 12 months. Managing, marketing, and helping to scale your online business is your team of website development experts 
experienced online marketing professionals and accomplished online business development strategists working for you 24 seven so you have more time to do the things you love and spend with the people you care about. Sell an online business suite works for every business of every size and niche and was designed and engineered to help you and your business succeed. We're so confident we can help you that we're giving you a 30 minute online business success strategy session valued at $1,000 for free so that we can show you what your business needs to succeed online. During this session, you will meet with an online business strategist from our team to discuss the problems holding your business back from success, the fears you have around taking the next step forward, frustrations you feel will get in your next sale or client, and the goals you would like to achieve in the next 12 months. Your online business strategist will take everything from there in helping you set up a successful online version of your business that is fully managed, marketed, and secured by our team working for you. Visit onlinebusiness.zelhan.com to learn more or go to zelhan.com and schedule your free 30-minute online business success strategy session and our team will take care of the rest for you. Our first 10 signups will get the chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscriptions. That's a minimum of $6,000 saved for the year and more than one month free. Set up a free consultation at zelhan.com to get started and claim one of 10 discounted spots. No obligation to buy, just tell us where you're struggling and our team will show you what you need to change to be successful. That is like we're paying you $1,000 to sit down with us for 30 minutes so that we can help your business succeed and help you achieve your dream life. Visit onlinebusiness.zelhan.com to learn more or go to zelhan.com with the link in the description or show notes and schedule your free 30-minute online business success strategy session and our team will take care of the rest for you. Conditions apply. The third reason of 14 of why businesses fail, not hiring the right people. Hiring the right people has a massive effect on nearly every area of your business. So true. One of the most obvious examples is sales. If you don't have enough sales, you can't pay your team or yourself and you cannot grow. Confident salespeople are key to increased sales. It's also astounding how many businesses fail due to inventory mismanagement. Hiring someone who is skilled at inventory management or using a good inventory management software is an easy way to solve this issue. I watched a video with Brian Tracy. I don't remember the title of the video, unfortunately. But in that video, Brian Tracy, wonderful guy, entrepreneur, trainer, teacher, the good stuff. He's an author, good, really, really good at sales. In the video, Brian Tracy says the time to fire one of your employees is the first time you think about doing it. The very first time. And he mentions a book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I know the book. I would love to read the book. I haven't gotten around to reading the book just yet. But he gave us the gist of the 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 book. He says that in the book, two methods of thinking are explained, thinking fast and thinking slow. Thinking fast is when you have to make repetitive decisions or decisions that you make over and over. For example, how to brush your teeth or something simple as that. And you don't use a lot of brain power to think about it. While thinking slow is when something novel comes up, something new or something very important. And you spend a lot of time going through the logic of what to do, what not to do. He says that the problem that most of us have is that we think slow and we should be thinking fast and think fast when we should be thinking slow. For example, 
a point he made was that whenever you're hiring someone, you are an employee. You should spend as much time figuring out whether or not you should hire that person. Don't hire quickly. Hire slowly. But like he says, the first time you think about firing your employees, the time you should do it. So you hire slowly and you fire quickly. He also introduced the idea. I don't think it's zero budget um, accounting. It is. But what it essentially is, I don't remember the exact term. I think it's zero budget accounting, but I'm not sure. It says that you ask yourself the question, knowing now what I now know, would I have made the same decision back then that I did? Let's go again. Knowing now what I now know, would I make the same decision in the past that led me to this point had I known back then what I now know? And if the answer is no, end things and move on. I also took that as relationship advice. So many times in a relationship, people stay around. They hang around because of fear of sunken costs or some fear of sunken costs. And what that means is that you don't want to say, You've been with a person for three, four, five, maybe 12 years, but now you're leaving because you would have felt like your last up to 12 years for this example would have been lost. The sunken cost fallacy where you don't want to leave or move on or end things because of all the investment you've put in. It happens to all of us at some point in some way. And that is what is happening here when you know when you don't hire the right people. I read a book by Jordan Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, uh, 12 Rules for Life. And in the book, he says that if the research was done actually, where a team of high performers, very good, very high performers in a company, the elite of the elite, they formed a team with the elite of the elite. And in that team, what they did, and the point was that you should make friends with people who want the best for you. That's the section of the chapter that it's from. And he says that in that team of elite performers, what they did was they added just one poor performer. And the reason I did this is because they wanted to find out if what is more likely to happen Would a poor performer pick pick stuff up, pick himself up and try to perform at a higher level, seeing that he was in the company of higher performers. Or would this poor performer then drop his, uh, um, cause a decline in the performance of the overall group? And the, the finding was astonishing. It was one poor performer to about five high performers. Hardly about, I don't remember the exact number. But what happened was that the high performers didn't get better. They got worse, and the poor performer stayed where he is. The bad egg spoiler, the bad apple spoiler, the bunch in this example. And that is why not hiring the right people means there's a double part to this. You should fire the wrong people as well. Company culture is important, right? And if a person, I've been in work in, work, in uh, work environments before, where the person is very phenomenal at what they do, but they were very toxic, very horrible. Even the bosses couldn't talk to her. It was, very, it was a tough time working with her. And she poisoned the culture of that company because she set a bad precedence whenever someone came in. And there were more than one per people there like that. The idea being that when you have someone who ruins company culture, the trade-off is that they might be good at their job, but no one else is gonna perform well. Remember the research, the poor performer didn't improve to the level of the high performer. The high performers declined because remember, they will now be doing the work of a poor performer that is going to get the same salary that they're getting or the same rewards or recognition that they know he doesn't earn, he has not earned. And that causes them to be disenchanted, demotivated, etc. So not hiring the right people is one. 
but also not firing the wrong people is another point I added to this. So that's point three. Point four is very similar. It says doing it all yourself. So let me just quickly read this for you. Make the connection and give you the solution. Here on the article on Tony Robbins' website, it says, doing it all yourself, point four. Yes, you're an entrepreneur, but that doesn't mean you have to do everything on your own. A business is only as strong as the psychology of its leader, and the ability to let go and trust others is an essential leadership trait. If you need to control everything, it's likely you won't succeed over the long term. Delegating is a top skill to manage a business effectively. It helps you manage your time, focus your energy on what matters most, and spot potential up-and-coming leaders within your company. So trying to do everything by yourself is one of the fatal flaws of a business that caused them to fail. And in the previous, exam previous example, it says not hiring the right people. Now I said that there was a connection between the two. Here's the connection. In the previous example, not hiring the right people. I also said not firing the wrong people is also a problem. And here it's saying doing it all yourself. But here's the connection. What if you have hired the right people, you have fired the wrong people, but you don't give them the space that they need to get the work done. That's a problem as well. So doing it all yourself is a problem. And let us say you've hired and fired at 100% accuracy. The problem is now not allowing the staff to get the work done, which is pretty much not, it's pretty much like doing it all yourself. A solution for this in your hiring, I, I have to get a bit more information. Maybe we do an episode on this because I do research topics before we do an episode. But I like to do a bit of research on hiring processes. In a, yesterday, mind you, I was speaking to one of my clients, speaking about our company culture and fit and stuff like that. And I mentioned a book I read, Principles by Ray Dalio. I'm pretty sure you guys know Ray Dalio. If you don't know, he's an amazing economist, world leader, I think he's a CEO or was the CEO of one of the large, well, the largest private hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater. We're, going, we're, not, we're not going to discuss economics right now. But in his book, what he did was that employees had to do a series of tests that helped them to understand the personality. And based on the personality, they were given a role that fit their personality. Different people excel in different roles. Einstein, they always say Einstein said stuff. I don't know if Einstein actually said it, but it says, there's a quote that says, if you judge a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb a tree, it's live, it will live its life thinking that it's, it's stupid, right? So getting people in the positions that fits their strengths is very good. It's very critical. Sadly, I don't know how to do this just yet. I'm still learning. But I have a training course that will teach me how to hire. Once I've learned how to effectively hire, I'll share that with you. Because we don't want to be doing hits and misses here when we're doing business. We want the things that we can control, we're going to control them to the best of our abilities. And who we hire and who we fire is right up there with the things we can control. So you're going to hire the right people. We're going to learn more about that going forward. Talent recruitment. Recruitment, junior and senior. You don't want to have... A situation in your company where you don't have people that can fill into different roles and as a result if someone is missing or they or god forbid they should quit your company goes belly up you don't want that i recommend you have a junior senior relationship pairing 
where there's always a junior to a senior, or there's always a senior that can cover another senior. That is important for the success of your business. Having a bottleneck, and this can be you as well. You should not be the only person in your company that can get something done. Never, ever, ever, ever get that done. If I had a penny for how many companies I've consulted with that have a bottleneck issue because the CEO or the director refuses to let go of the reins and allow people to do what they can do or hire people that can cover for their blind spots and do what they can do, I would not need to be running business anymore. It's happened so often. Don't make that mistake. So we spoke about hiring, talent recruitment, and we're going to look at continuous training of staff. You, you recruit talent, so a lot of juniors are recruited. You keep the best ones, you let go of the poor ones. So that means you're always training staff. Do you know how much money your business loses whenever someone quits and there's a gaping hole left and you have to recruit, hire, train, and reintegrate that person into your business to fill that hole that was left because somebody quit? Always hire and train juniors that are competent, good culture fit, for your business in the future. It's better to have more good employees than you don't have enough good employees because if you have more good employees, you can take on more work. Simple. Hire the best people, pay them above market value, and then give them the space, time, and resources they need to work. I do not believe that I should hire someone for X amount of salary and then tell them how to do their job. If I'm to tell them how to do their job, it's more like in the context of use this format or do it this way for our brand or whatever the case may be. But I expect you to be competent. And the way to do that is to pay above market value. They should be rewarded. Your employees should be rewarded for doing great work. Because when they do great work, you are rewarded as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Reward your employees favorably, kindly. And like I had a conversation with a client yesterday, Reward isn't always about money. Sometimes it's about recognition, a word of in, um, encouragement or gratitude, showing appreciation, because then if it's all about money, then they feel like you're just buying them and that never ends well. It's one of the things I talk about in my clients, isn't it? So we move on. You hire properly, you do talent recruitment, you do continuous training, you hire the best people, you pay them above market value and then give them the space, time and resources they need to work. Don't micromanage. This is a cut, it's cut from the same cloth. Don't micromanage as it shows a lack of trust and leadership abilities. If you hire someone, allow them to do their job. If they make a mistake, which is the next point, allow employers to make mistakes. If your employee makes a mistake, do not, for the life of your business and your employees' well-being and your well-being, do not take them to the washer. Is that is that the quote? Don't take them to the washer. I don't know. Don't 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 throw them out with the baby. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's something I always hear. That means that whenever employees make a mistake, allow them to make the mistake and then learn from it. If they keep making the same mistake over and over again, then we either have a, a problem where they're not learning or they haven't grasped clearly why the problem is occurring or they just need to be let go. But allow them to make the mistake. It's going to cost you if they make the mistake. But if they get comfortable uh, treading the, the boundaries of what they can and can't do, what they can and cannot achieve in your business, and they get comfortable treading that boundary, making the mistake and surpassing their limits every time, it's going to pay you in dividends over if you allow that. So that those are some examples. Those are some solutions I put forward for the problem of doing it all yourself.
At Zelhan, we believe in the power of the internet, software, and technology to make it easier to start and run a successful business online. We know that it takes more than running Facebook or Google ads for two or three months to attract the right clients or customers for your business. We also know that as a business owner, you don't want to be bogged down with learning the latest online marketing trends, the best way to set up a Facebook ad, or deciding what to do before or after your newest Google ad campaign goes live for it to be successful. We want to make it easier for you to attract more clients and customers, increase revenues, build a brand that your ideal client knows, loves, and trusts, and ultimately live your dream life. That is why we have removed the guesswork out of marketing your business online by designing and engineering a 12-month marketing strategy tailored for your online business's success. Introducing Zelhan's online marketing system. Over the next 12 months, our marketing and business development strategy teams will work together with you to help your business succeed. We do this by settling on SMART goals to achieve over the next 12 months for your business. A SMART goal can be as simple as increasing revenues by 15% in the next 12 months, getting 20 new clients in the next year, or even growing top-line revenue to $500,000 in the next 12 months. After we set and agree on the SMART goal to achieve, our team will design and engineer a unique and helpful marketing system that will give you the highest chance of success and achieving your goals. Every month, we will have a consultation with you to let you know our progress on helping you achieve your goals. We will help you understand what we worked on last month and the results, what worked, what didn't work, what our conclusions are, and how best to move forward strategically in the next month. By doing this, we ensure that our goals are always aligned with yours and that of your business. Your business is getting the results it needs, and you know that your Zelhan marketing team is working 24-7 doing meaningful work to support your business's success. After 12 months, we will have our final consultation where we say our goal set in January 2023 was to increase revenues by 15%. It is now January 2024 and we have successfully increased your revenues not by 15%, but by 25%. Our approach moves the guesswork out of getting your next sale or client and makes your online business success inevitable as a result of a marketing strategy tailored for your business's success. Prices start at $3,000 per month. That is as low as $100 per day for your own professional and experienced marketing and business strategy team working 24-7 to ensure your business succeeds. But for a limited time, our first 10 signups will get a chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscription. That's more than $3,500 in savings for the year or more than one month free. Set up a free consultation at zelhan.com and click Get Free Consultation to get started and claim one of 10 discounted spots. The link will be posted in the description of the video if you're watching on YouTube and the show notes if you're listening to our podcast. Go to zelhan.com and click Get Free Consultation to set up a free consultation with our team to get started and our team will handle the rest for you. Set up your free consultation today and be one of 10 signups who will get a chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscription. That's more than $3,500 in savings for the year and more than one month free. Conditions apply. The fourth point, lack of flexibility. So let's get into this. This one is going to be an interesting one. Remember Blockbuster, Radio Shack, Tower Records? These giants of their industry all fell victim to the same reason for business failure. 
inability to adapt to a change in market. Entrepreneurs who fall in love with a service or product and refuse to change directions when the market demands it are likely to fail. And this is why I love the lean startup method. The key to long-term success in business and in life is flexibility and willingness to pivot when necessary. So like I said, the lean startup method basically tells us that we're just going to keep on iterating on our MVP, that's our minimum viable product, that's at the earliest form of our product or service that we can offer. We're going to keep on iterating on that until we get to the one that actually works, the one that is sold, the one that solves a problem and serves a customer. And that can be very, very far from what we expected it would be. To help us with the problem of a lack of flexibility, I prepared an article from American Express. And in that article, it says, adapting to the constant changes in, marketing tr in market trends, sorry. And this one is gonna be linked in the description and show notes as well. This is a really good article for you to read. So let's just dive right into it. Adapting to the constant changes in market trends. And this is by Amber Anderson, posted September 27, 2019, when I'm reading it. For success, it is necessary to adapt to the constant changes in market trends. So let us start the article. That was just the summary. I started my consulting agency almost a decade ago, and we've continued to stay ahead by taking an agile, or agile, I think it's agile, project management approach. A few years ago, and we're going to learn what agile project management is. A few years ago, we did some research and found that women made the majority of consumer purchasing decisions across all industries, yet businesses and brands were not connecting with them meaningfully. As a woman-led team, we were uniquely positioned to fill this gap. So we adapted. Transitioning from a general consulting business to the female-focused branding and marketing agency, Toad Plus Peers, where we take an intersectional approach to understanding women's needs. People change industries, people change markets, we made a decision to focus on people before products, services, and processes because they're the ones driving change. And that is true. Our agile project management style allows us to help clients adapt to these changes in the business environment effectively. And we have a team that is committed to creating better products, services, and experiences for women and their families in the process. If you're looking for ways to adapt to changes in your market, you may want to consider a few new strategies. So the first one is embrace agile project management. Agile project management is designed to be adaptable. The methodology originates from tech. It was used to give teams the ability to be flexible while building complex systems that traditionally take a long time to build. When following a traditional model to complete a project, the market requirements can change, making the work obsolete. Agile project management is a solution Teams act on smaller incremental deliverables, which allow them to adapt to changes as they arise. And I know Agile project manage, um, Agile, the Agile framework from software engineering. So I do software engineering, not much, but I do love co coding and programming. It's really awesome. Conversation for another day. So embrace Agile project management. For example, if your business needs to test a product targeting women, Agile Product Management allows your team to release pieces into the market strategically before continuing to build. They can perform A-B testing. So that's like where you send different versions to a group of people and the one that performs best wins the test and is therefore the better solution. So they can perform A-B testing, fostering an environment that encourages creativity, flexibility, and thinking on one's feet helps ensure that your people can adapt respond to change as needed. 
By testing products in segments, your team can assess a broader sampling of people, then use the results to adapt and respond to market changes quickly. So it's literally saying that instead of pushing all your changes to the entire market, push the change to a small group, find what works, find what doesn't work. And then once you've found what works, push that solution to the overall market. Instead of building an overall solution, build a small part, show that small part to the market. It's kind of like lean. And when that mar the market shows that this small part works, for example, the messaging feature of your social media app, then you put that all to the market. Then you look at uh, live calls. You show that to a small part, see what works and what doesn't work, fix it until it works well, then you push it to the, the overall market. That's agile project um, project management, they said. Yes, agile project management. It's for strategy. It's interesting. Are you a consultant? When you're focused on the day-to-day -day tasks, it can be hard to keep up with the changing times. To ensure you're not positioned poorly or missing out on market trends, consider hiring a consultant to keep you up to speed. And this is very good. It's like something I do at Zelen as well. I, I do marketing, coding, development, UX design, sales, management. There are so many things that I do and I can do for Zelhan. And I've reached a point where I prefer to hire the best people that can do each of these and have them help me keep on top because I can't learn everything and the business needs my direction. So just um, a tidbit into what's happening at Zelhan where we're recruiting talent. Yes. A consultant can evaluate your position in the market and flag problems. They can give you valuable guidance on how to adapt to changes in the business environment effectively by sunsetting a product or refreshing your brand. If you're using an agile project management methodology, you can take the feedback and incorporate it right away to avoid potential issues in the future. And you see it comes together. So agile project management plus hire a consultant. Stay attuned to your target customer's needs. Your customer should be the driving force behind changes to your business. And the thing I'm realizing here, this is sounding more and more like doing a lean startup method. So they talk about the lean business plan. This is a lean startup method. Eric Race, guys, trust me, you want to read that book. Let us continue. Your customers should be the driving force behind changes to your business. Adapting to market changes means keeping the people you serve top of mind. Doing so will help you create more meaningful products and services. So get familiar with your target audience beyond the numbers. What and who do they care about? What stage of life are they in? What gets them out of bed in the morning? As they change, your product, services, and business should too. An agile project management style allows you to adjust along the way. Like we said, hire forward-thinking employees. This is the most critical one out of all of them in terms of flexibility, I believe. If you want to gain a competitive edge in the market, try hiring forward-thinking employees who share the vision and values of your brand. Agile project management works most effectively with a committed team. Putting people first shouldn't just apply to your target audience. Employees who feel seen and valued may be more invested in your brand and want to do what it takes to move forward. Fostering an environment that encourages creativity, flexibility, and thinking on one's feet helps ensure that your people can adapt and respond to changes as needed. The fifth point, sunset outdated products. One way that businesses lag behind is by sticking with outdated products and services. For example, BlackBerry. Uh, let's move on. The less said about BlackBerry, the better. A stale brand, product, or service can kill a business. Part of adapting and responding to change is knowing when to let go. True. Take video rentals, for example. 
a product that once had mass appeal is now obsolete with the rise of streaming. When times change, and I think this is about Blockbuster versus Netflix, when times change, you have to adapt to market changes or you'll find yourself out of business. A sunset strategy can help you phase out products and services that stagnate growth. The ability to change in business can make or break your business. Implementing agile project management can help you focus in on what's working and leave the rest behind. So this has been a really good article that will help you to not only stay up to date with what, are, what the changes are in market, but know how best to pivot. Because it spoke about the, the split test, agile project management, getting rid of old products, getting in employees that are looking to the future and just staying up to date with what your customers know, love and want. You know, it's it's very it sounds very simple, but it's a lot of work and it's very critical for your business's success. In addition to that, I also added a bit of notes here where I say you should use lean startup tactics. And like I said while reading, in a lean startup, it basically helps you to understand how to bring a product to the market. That is where people love your product so much that they're telling other people about it and having them spend money on your product. That is the best way to assess product market fit. You should also do continuous market research, and that is covered by the consultant, but you too should do your own research, have statistics and figures to ensure that you're making logical decisions based on data and statistics that represent reality and not just something that you love. You should always do product development or improving on your product, new features, new functions, uh, smoothing out your interface if it's software, making it easier to use, easier to access, things like that. Accessibility is important. In UX design, we have this thing called A11Y. It's literally saying accessibility. How easy is your product or software to use? And then the last point, invest in R&D. If you're not investing in R&D, research and development, then how exactly are you going to improve? How exactly are you going to stay ahead of the curve? That is my point exactly. And that doesn't mean you have to spend billions, you know. Just getting a consultant, for example, or have a consultant come in every now and then that helps you to understand what your business can do to keep up with the latest trends. You don't even have to be the one to do the work there. Point six, and this one is so similar to lack of flexibility that I bundled them together because understanding one almost certainly means you understand the other. Lack of innovation. Peter Drucker and Jay Abraham, among the greatest business minds of our time, maintain that business failure and success all starts with two key factors, innovation and marketing. Oh, this is good. Innovation means finding a better way to meet your client's needs than anybody else. Anybody can make some money for some amount of time, but if you want to become successful and sustain that success over years and over decades, if you want to build a brand, then you have to find a way to add more value than anybody else in the game. And that comes from constantly innovating. And remember, innovation is finding better ways to meet your client's needs than anybody else. So here's the thing. I didn't want to just tell you about innovation because I am not an expert on innovation. So we've turned to SCORE to find four ways to build innovation into your business. An article posted on May 6, 2022 by Daniel Kerrer. I like his last name, Kerrer, or Kerrer, K-E-H-R-E-R, Kerrer, or Kerrer. It sounds like I'm speaking Spanish, but I'm almost certain that name is Danish or is German or some European, Kerrer. We'll see.
Daniel, if you're out there, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. I'm so sorry. But it's really a nice name. Let's continue. Most business owners and especially entrepreneurs want their businesses, products, services, and employees to be innovative. But while innovation is one of today's most desired business traits, many businesses today end up with anti-innovation cultures without even realizing it. Trust me, guys, you are going to love this one. In part, that's because so many businesses are focused on cost, efficiency, and short-term growth, rather than creativity and a long-term mindset. This can leave little room for fresh ideas or mistakes that allow innovation to occur. When a daily mantra is to do more with less, innovation can seem much too messy, inefficient, and expensive to take root. Many businesses seek stability through structure and predictability rather than less predictable innovation. Let me say that again. Many businesses seek stability through structure and predictability rather than less predictable innovation. But, but here's the thing. Structure and, and predictability gives the lowest return. Innovation gives the highest return. But it's important to understand that the mechanisms needed to grow a business are often different from that simply keep it from falling apart. To grow and innovate, you need to be willing to explore a little and put up with some uncertainty and ambiguity. To instill a mindset of innovation in your business, you may need to adopt some different ways of thinking. Here are four ways to help create more innovation in your business. Don't make everything about efficiency and scale. Typical business management practices and companies of all sizes favor efficiency and process at the expense of experimentation, which is your advantage as a small business. You have place to experiment and iterate and improve. But being innovative requires a test and learn approach that includes taking some risks and trying different things. And that of course means that some won't work out. But those failures are like down payments on things that do work and that will help your business grow. So true. Don't make everything about efficiency and scale. Allow people the wiggle room to make failures that will help you to learn what doesn't work, why it doesn't work, and what probably should be done for it to work. Innovation is like the light bulb for me. Everyone was perfectly fine with gas lamps, for example, but Thomas Edison was like, no, electricity. And a thousand experiments later, a thousand failures later, everyone is using light bulbs now. Thanks to Thomas Alva Edison. Let's go. Embrace uncertainty. That's number two. The fundamental nature of innovation is that nothing is certain. Businesses that are best at innovation at innovating are often dominated by ambiguity and change. Get used to it and create an environment that allows for experimentation, invention, and exploration. It might be nice to talk about achieving near-perfect performance, but growth experimentation often produces much the opposite. Be careful about how strongly you insist on efficient, waste-free execution. You can easily end up killing inventive ideas as the path to innovation can be messy so true. Here's a key point. Seek small innovations. Sometimes thinking smaller is the best way to achieve innovation. Innovations don't need to be big or audacious. Setting and achieving small proximate goals and innovations may be a better way to keep the ball rolling. Most innovations are small, incremental things that are close to the core activities of your business, either products, services, processes, or all of the above. Innovations can and should build on things that have already been done. They don't have to be revolutionary. 
The kind of ideas small businesses and startups should want to generate are all about creating new value for customers. Don't worry if it's already been tried, looks like something old in a new package, or is borrowed from another industry. What's most important is that they create value for your customers and that no one else is offering them in quite the same way. The best innovators learn how to combine existing things a little differently or transfer concepts from other industries or domain, like the agile project management methodology borrowed from software engineering used in keeping your business flexible. And the last point, that's why I love that point so much. Don't try to isolate innovation. That's the fourth point. Sure, innovation can be a choppy process that is prone to failure, but don't try to isolate it within certain places or people in your business. In other words, don't feel like you need to segregate innovation from the rest of your business, where you have people who execute and others who innovate. Execution and innovation can go hand in hand, and the bridges that help connect them are information sharing and learning. When you encourage employees and yourself to learn about new things and avoid my way or the highway type thinking, you will foster innovation in your business. I love this so much. Finally, understand that growth experimentation is a game of probabilities. The sooner you get customers actively engaged in your experimentation game, the more likely you will be to win. And I love this so much. I love it absolutely so much because it's saying literally. Let me use an example. There is a major company in Jamaica that is taking the first mover advantage, I'm working with them, first mover advantage on developing an online version of their business that can serve customers 24-7. We're almost at the launch date. So when you hear this episode, this episode will be posted on Thursday, February 2. And the website goes live on Monday, February 5. The 6th, yes, the 6th of February, Monday. And I'll be there at the business when the website goes live, introducing the website to their customers and saying, because I did this with the sales staff already and with the entire management team and everyone, they loved it. So now the next step is to have the customers just interact with the live website and have them tell me, how does this feel? How does it look? What feels right? What doesn't feel right? What did you wish it could have done that it's not doing? And what does it do that you absolutely love? And we're going to do this for the, for the coming year. Like I'm going to be there a lot. I've been talking with customers, observing them use the website, getting feedback from customers and the sales team and everyone, doing some marketing. And in a year, I kid you not, in a year, their competition is going to be irrelevant. Stay tuned for more information on that. Yes, at Zillion, we're very serious about um, bringing value to our, to our customers, our clients in this case. I'd like to thank you. So I, I said at the start of this episode that we're going to be looking at seven points. We've looked at six. In the next episode, we'll look at the final eight. We've gone on quite long. But if the next eight take too much time, we'll just stop part um, halfway and have a part three. Because I cannot at any point in time compromise on the value I bring to you. You are my very special and important um, listeners. And I must reward you for spending the time to listen to Zellhan's podcast. So let's go. I'd like to thank you for listening to episode 14 of Online Business Systems on Zellhan's podcast, brought to you by Zellhan Systems Limited and our online business suite, where we believe in using the power of the internet 
software and technology to make it easier to start, run, and build a successful business. Your optimized online business comes with a conversion optimized online business from our expert development team, a strategic and systematic online marketing system for short and long-term success, and a team of certified and experienced developers, marketers, website security specialists, and business strategists that are working 24-7 to ensure your business succeeds. Get started with our micro plan that comes complete with website developers, UI UX designers, email marketers, SEO specialists, premium hosting and website security, your personal account manager, a business development strategist, and a PPC campaign from Facebook. Our microplan starts at $5,000 per month or less than $165 per day or less than $7 per hour. Our first 10 clients will get a 10% discount each month, totaling $6,000 saved for the year. Go to onlinebusiness.zellhand.com and set up a free consultation to get your 10% discount. Remember to share our episodes with your friends and family who you think would find this episode and others helpful. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube or where you listen to your podcast to get notified when we bring more amazing content tailored for your online business success. Visit podcast.zellhand.com for a complete list of our podcast episodes. You can also visit watch.zellhand.com or our YouTube channel to watch our most recent content. Most importantly, earn up to $500 in commission for every client you refer to us by signing up to become an affiliate at affiliates.zellhand.com. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes or episode description if you're listening on YouTube. On the next episode of Online Business Systems, we will discuss part two of why businesses fail, the guide to business success. This has been episode 14 of Online Business Systems, brought to you by Zellhand Podcast. I've been your host, Jabez Roberts. Take care until next time. Mm-hmm.